Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Byer. Let's get growing. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today. It's going to be a little bit of a different show because she kind of has a different business. Um, my guest is Heather Wood. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. This is thrilling for me. Cool. So um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your businesses and, and what you do. You're in Olympia, Washington, right? That's correct. And go ahead and tell us a little bit about your businesses. All right. Well, uh, I was in my last year of college last winter, and I started uh, looking forward to graduating and, and deciding what I was going to do with my life. And um, I was working on some projects in school, and I was researching composting. And I found uh, people who do composting all over the country, alternative styles of composting. And uh, as a child, I had seen um, a show where uh, a, a small Italian village was featured because they had switched from the diesel power uh, trucks for garbage collection to mules. And so <clears throat> I thought, you know, I want to get some mules and start collecting compost and garbage with mules in town. And so that started my research, and I found uh, some some uh, bicycle-powered compost collections going on uh, in Austin was the first one I saw. And then I found them all over the country. Uh, and I decided that was what I wanted to do. So that was, uh, and at the same time, I was also uh, getting my apprenticeship in beekeeping. And uh, I went ahead and got two business licenses last year in April. And one is a nonprofit. For, called Urban Evergreen Bee Sanctuary, Sunhive, and Swarm. And the other one is a for-profit, and it's a community compost collection that's 100% bicycle powered. Excellent. So, all right, I'm just going to quickly ask. So where did you go to college? Do you want to share that with us? The Evergreen State College. You did go. So are you from Olympia, or did you just end up there? Like, are you from somewhere else? It's weird, you know, I'm from uh, Tacoma, Washington, which is, I don't know, 30 miles or so from here, but had never really spent any time in Olympia, and it's just it's, uh, the land of milk and honey, as I put it. It's really a come-as-you-are uh, city, and it's also uh, the, you know, the capital, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a beautiful place to live, and the people here are beautiful, and uh, the college here is beautiful. And Evergreen has quite a reputation for being kind of a, um, I don't know if you'd say it's an alternative college, but maybe like a little more progressive of a college. And do they, like, when I went to school, we always heard about their kind of a unique grading system. Like, is that still the case that they kind of let you work at your own pace and do a different thing? Or is that kind of... Well, okay, so they don't use the grading system that we're all used to, Um uh, and working at your own pace it means that you better work really hard to keep up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't find that um, that you know before before I went to everything people say no it's it's you know I heard a lot about that before mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. after going I found it's very difficult and um, you have to be very a independent worker I imagine yes you do and you're you know, there's a lot more expected mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to prove yourself, and you have to you have to keep up. So, and Olympia, but, but it, yeah, it is. Oh, go, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, and then the Olympic National Peninsula is right there too, right? Yeah. And that's just gorgeous. I've been there twice and that is just an incredible place to explore. So, all right. Well, um, so then is that where you kind of, you, that's where you said you kind of got interested in this. So what were you, were you studying? Can I ask? Oh, I was in a class, uh, I sound like a ecological agriculture class. Um, okay. and I came to Evergreen, I was, if I was a transfer student and I was going to, from out on an Olympic peninsula that you just referred to, and I was going to do, um, environmental studies and, and get my master's in environmental studies mm-hmm. here at the Evergreen State College. And so I got, uh, you know, a lot of my prereqs in science and math and, and then, uh, came out and, and that was just a lot for me to take on. I was doing physics and animation and um, as a single mom, it was just a lot for me. <laughs> and so someday I'll go back and do that. But this, and I'm really glad that, uh, you know, how it turned out for me. I started, I got into a biodynamic, started studying biodynamics, which is like taking organics even further where, um, and and so I studied biodynamic beekeeping. I studied biodynamic farming, and um, and that's and and my mother had always wanted to be a beekeeper, and so it was something she romanticized about, and I ended up romanticizing about it my whole life too, and uh, it was just a perfect opportunity for me to be able to choose to write a program at Evergreen, which which allows people to write their own programs. So I was in a class where I could do half what everyone else was doing and half what I wanted to do, as long as you write it up in a program and you document it thoroughly. And so part of my program was to get my apprenticeship in beekeeping through the uh, Washington State uh, Beekeepers Association. And um, and around the same time, I uh, got to sit in a weekend conference with Corwin Bell out of Colorado, who's a, an infinite, infamous beekeeper in Colorado. And that really changed my life as well. So everything is pointed in this direction for me. Excellent. Well, I am just so excited to dig a little deeper. And I think so many of our listeners are going to just be excited. They're going to be researching that school and saying, wow, that's going to be, that could be a great place for me to go. And um, I just think that's a super way that you've started this and following your interests. So um, so go ahead and tell us a little bit more. Do you want to start with the Urban Evergreen Bee Sanctuary then? Sure. Uh, yeah, I I uh, watched a lot of the documentaries as part of, um, as followed an interest in my class, which enabled me to, to watch these documentaries. And you may have heard of them, More Than Honey and Queen of the Sun. Uh-huh. And there's a few others out there. And they really describe um, graphically um, the dilemma that the honeybees are in uh-huh. and that we're in because of, of um, their failings. And so I knew that I wanted to be involved and I could be involved and it was something that I could do. And um, in, uh, so I, I decided that I would build beehives. Everybody needed a beehive regardless of, um, uh, you know, uh, stature, and, and, um, because I'd love to have a beehive, but, you know, you have to, you have to be able to, you know, get all this stuff and, and get all that together. So I thought I would put a nonprofit together where I could get grants to build beehives for everybody, everywhere. Cool. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. I never thought of building 
our own beehives and actually mike's been on my case to order some he needs some super the deeps and um i did order a set from amazon and got the wrong one so now i have to reorder them but um i never thought that we could just build our own um because yeah. the bees are kind of new to us we he worked really hard to trade for three beehives he traded a whole bunch of firewood from this guy and then they didn't make it through the first winter so we're starting from scratch again and just ah. excited we've ordered two um sets of bees that probably are going to be here soon and i need to get those deeps ordered so um and then you were starting to tell me a little bit during the pre-interview something about you're, you're building them out of rye or oh yeah so the, the sun hives if your listeners want, listeners want to uh, research sun hives um then they'll learn a little bit about biodynamics too but one of the things i want really want to um highlight is this wild swarming and it's a step away from the conventional beekeeping so what i'm all all about is stepping away and, and talking to people about stepping away from conventional beekeeping uh and going with um following what the bees would do naturally and that is wild swarming whereas conventional bee uh keeping practices really um dictate uh that we prevent our bees from swarming at all. And that's what they do naturally when they're healthy, when it's got stores built up. Half of the colony will leave with the old queen. And we want that to happen because we want uh, genetic diversity. And um, if we are catching wild swarms from each other and giving them to each other, uh, we can... um, really encourage the the genetic diversity in our honeybees and, and you know, localizing them instead of buying artificially inseminated queens from California, say, or Texas, we are, we're encouraging them here in our own locations, wherever that, you know, wherever we are, we've got bees that are localized to us that can withstand winter better, that are just stronger. And they, anyway, so that's what I really want to emphasize. And uh matter of fact, yesterday I just got, the first uh, wild swarm that I've seen this year, and it was really early, and uh, I just pulled one out of a tree and, and put it in a, a, a beehive yesterday. So that was really exciting, kind of a begin, beginning of the season initiation. Awesome. So, oh, I'm just so intrigued. And so let's maybe just... For listeners, if they don't really know what swarming is, I know you kind of give a brief description, but do you just want to tell them again, like, what that means when you say that the bees are going to swarm and, like, what time of year do they do that? So you just caught a swarm now, so they do they do it in the spring or do they do that throughout the year? Or? They can do it throughout the summer, but they start in the spring, and uh, the earlier you can get uh, a swarm that you're going to keep in a box, the better, because they'll have time to build up stores to survive the winter with. And what a swarm is, uh, it is not like a big wilding, wild hurricane of 80s. It's a cluster on a branch. So you keep your eye out for the clusters. They, they might take the form, the shape of a, a kind of a V on a branch, hanging from a branch. They might uh, look like a football. They can look, so they'll, they'll hang sometimes about uh, maybe 7 and 10 feet off the ground. This is when the half of the colony with the old queen, because the honeybees, when they have all their stores built up, they'll go ahead and start uh, building a new queen in her queen cell. And right before she's about to hatch out of there and become the queen, they start pestering the old queen. It's time for you to leave. It's time for you to leave. 
she'll take approximately half the colony with her and to go look for a new home. And, you know, bees have a better chance, have a, you know, at least they have a chance, they might have a better chance of surviving and finding a home if we can provide them with one. And so, you know, even so in the wild, you, they were, how, Okay. Hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, so then... I guess, you know, one question would be like physically, how do you catch it? Like, do you put it in a bag or something? And then, and then you put them into your hive and then they build a home in your hive and then they're happy there. Yes. It's, it's that, it's that simple. At, when they're in that cluster on a branch, they're really not in stinging mode. They have gorged themselves to carry food to their new home. So they really can't, it's difficult for them to actually get their stingers out to sting anybody. Plus, the queen is emitting an intense amount of pheromone so that they know where she is and they stay with her. So she's emitting all this pheromone and they're just kind of in a love zone and everybody's happy. And it's most, it's just the most beautiful experience as a human. <laughs> I've noticed to be part of that and to be near them when they're doing that. So really all you do is you can go up and give a, give the branch they're on like a firm, like one, shake into a box or into a net. Yesterday I used a box and then I went up again for more and, and used a little butterfly net that the kids had in the yard. And they're really heavy, so you've got to be prepared to, for the weight of them. And they're really warm. It's it's like a, their own body. And they you just and then you take them to the new hive that you have prepared for them. And, uh, and if that means carrying them in a box in your trunk to somebody's house, have a, a hive waiting for them or if that means just dumping them right into the, the hive next to you they're happy and they start fanning their wings to tell all the other bees we found a home we found a home because they they recognize it number one if it's if it's been used before they recognize the smell of other bees or honey or comb or whatever's you know propolis uh-huh. and um, so they recognize it as a home and um, if it's a new hive I, I imagine they they found a nice cozy, uh, dark place that looks like a hollow of a log to live in. Wow. So did you say that you were taking animation classes? Are you going to make like a really cool like Disney type Pixar movie about this? That's like we found it. I mean, it just sounds so exciting. Yeah. I can picture it already. <laughs> it does. That's excellent. Yeah, that's, that had run through my mind. Cool. Um, Okay, so then, what do you want to tell us a little bit about what you would have to do to prepare the box? Sure, um, I uh, I learned this uh, from a workshop by Corin Bell, and I just go get those file boxes that uh, that you that have lids to them, and uh, I cut uh, one rectangular square in the side for a window, and I I tape from the inside. Uh, some screen, like screen door screen, so that there's a, a window there that's screened in. And that takes a second. You know, it just takes a little bit of time. I also tape down the flaps in the bottom of the box and I, so that these don't get stuck under the flaps that fold the box together and get crushed. And then I cut a little teeny rectangle at the bottom, one of the ends on the bottom, for a door. Now, after I get the beads in the box, put the lid on, and I have the little baby door down at the bottom for them to come in and out of. They are happy. They're, if you get the queen, as long as you get the queen off the branch and that she's in the box with all the bees, they're going to be happy to have this place, this little closed place, and they're not going to try to go find another home after that. 
and you leave the door open until uh, until sundown, until the, the sun's gone down, and you can close the door because they'll all be home now after dark. They're, they all go home. You close the door, and then you can transport them to wherever you're going to um, deposit them next. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then... Is there anything else you want to share more about this, or do you want to go on to the composting business, or? Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. There's okay. So the, the, I did. I would want to say that you, there is a way to, um, to, if you have these already, you could sit with them and learn their language, and know when they're about ready to swarm, and and I've seen this, and I, I haven't experienced this yet, but this is definitely what's cooking next. Is is uh, I saw a program that the the in the honey field of Scotland, uh, they those skeps beekeepers will wash their skeps and their hives and read the bees and just put nets on, over the doors and then when they're ready to swarm they'll actually swarm into the nets. Oh, cool! Yeah, so that's what I really want to get into is is really learning how to read bees and just um and and doing it that way so that uh, it seems like a lot less trouble. Mm-hmm. For the bees, <laughs> but uh, anyway, because it's really enjoyable. Anyway, anyway, but let's now let's talk about compost. And and you mentioned the Olympic Forest, if I may, Paul Stamos, who's the uh, fung fungi man, famous uh, for studying mushrooms, is out in the Olympic National Forest, mm-hmm. and so I've heard a lot about him and the 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 compost how the compost ties in, it turns out it ties in with bees perfectly because of, uh, mycelial cubes and mycelium and feed bees and it's antiviral sap from the, uh, you could say the roots of the fungus or the mycelial roots. Mm-hmm. The bees drink the sap from that and it's antiviral and it keeps them healthy. So I'm really liking, uh, at my compost hub sites where I take people's compost to, I have mycelial cubes, and, uh, you know, it turns into compost for one thing, but for the people can use on their gardens, but it also uh, feeds the bees. Okay, so lots of things going on there. So you compost hub sites. What what are those? Those are where uh, community gardens and um, uh, mostly in community spaces, although uh, neighbors and community members will open their yards up for me to put up some pallet boards and build a compost hub site where I can bring the compost I've collected from neighbors and compost it at these little compost sites all over town. And it's really great. And then, so then... Because I was kind of watching one of your videos before to kind of learn a little bit about it, and then they can also go get some of the compost. Absolutely, is, is that it's how donated? It? Yeah, so I donated it to the like one of my that's Capital Vision Community Garden here on the east side of Olympia. I um, I donated all that compost went into the community garden, and it was just pretty awesome to see that happen. So yeah, that people can either come by and get it, they can pay Do me to deliver it? some to them. I that's probably coming. That's probably coming. Okay. It's, uh, you know, uh, as the need, you know, as people's needs are presented to me, I, I kind of uh, fall into to doing different things. So, um, but yeah, they can come and pick it up themselves or they can pay me to, to, 
to peddle it to their properties. All right, let's let's back up and start at the beginning. So, so how'd you come up with this idea? This idea, I was researching mules oh, right, and, right. and cl- garbage collections right. with mules, and I found that uh, the east uh, east side compost peddlers in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, do this, and um, and then there's there's just lots of them that started up all over the country, and uh, people who do 100% bike powered composting. And so I said, that's for me. And uh, I found a guy in Portland, Oregon, and his uh, website is Tom's Cargo Bikes. And he puts together, you know, I'm working with on a shoestring budget, and he put together this uh, cargo bike for me. He welded these two uh, steel bikes. I donated my mountain bike, and he welded together a little contraption that I ride around town here. It's pretty awesome. So check his out too okay and so then so you've got this bike and then you how did you find customers or people that were interested uh on let's see how did i do that on on facebook um i talk to everybody i love it i'm so excited about what i'm doing i just love to talk about it so i talk to everybody um and i've i've you know at the community gardens everywhere everybody and um that's really, and then I just recently got a website up, which, um, how, how else am I telling people? Uh, so I have friends. Some, it started with just me going back and forth. People see me on the street uh, with my bike, and I'm taking my own compost. That's how it started. I started with my own compost. And then I, I started uh, picking people's compost up for free to get going, and, and so I could build, you know, a little resume, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, now people hire me. To do this, and even a, like the Cascadia Grains Conference that was held at a local community college hired me to collect the compost for the conference, and it was just so that really, was my next question was going to be like, so were you going to restaurants, schools, you know, businesses, cafeteria places? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point. That's the whole point, and you know, really, I mean, that's what I want to do. And I guess you could get a point of me wanting to do this. Like, why do I want to do this? Because I want to show people what it looks like. Cool. I want people to see what it looks like to live locally. We're not going to be having these huge diesel-powered trucks coming by to collect something that can grow food, that grows earth. We're going to be composting, you know, in our own yards or at the community garden. We're not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so this is what it looks like. You just... The, <laughs> It's this simple, but it takes doing, and this is what it looks like. That's why I do this. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you're creating jobs potentially down the line, and, and you know, that's something green jobs that we all need, you know, as it expands. And I, I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm just, I was so excited when I saw it, and I, I wish I lived in a place where I could ride a bike. Like, I, that's the one hard thing for me about living in the country is, I miss the convenience of riding my bike when I, you know, when I was in college, I rode my bike everywhere and I could easily zoom across town and, um, I lived in Missoula, Montana and easily beat a car almost anywhere across <laughs> town on a bike. I mean, with the traffic lights, there was no doubt. So I, I do definitely miss riding my bike. And I just think that's such an awesome, um, you know, business model. So, uh, 
all right, so so you're picking compost up at people's places. And so then I really like that. Like I just was picturing this one big pile somewhere on a farm and you're going around collecting it. But you have these little hubs, so you're making it uh, the compost available for the people that you're picking it up for, which is great. So what about other things? Like do you pick up, you know, lawnmower clippings and leaves and different things to put in there too? Yeah, I would, I would definitely, yeah, I would pick up plenty of leaves on my bike and from, from neighbors, um, and compost, because that's co- great compost. Um, and I always yeah, think, anything. to me, the lawn clippings are the, some of the best to put in there. Oh, it just man, makes I it, it up, right? Yeah. And it just, to me, yeah. it, it kind of, um, it makes it turn a little bit faster. Well, I don't know. The leaves are good too. We, you know, cause we're in the pines. We don't have as many leaves at our property. So also maybe that's why, but, um, Go, go ahead. So tell us a little more. Oh, well, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'd pick up uh, anything along those lines. And uh, uh, let's see, what else? Um, How about so, yeah, like, to... oh, go ahead. sorry, I was going to say, so in the video, the woman was showing a really cool composting bucket. Like, are you giving people buckets or do they keep it in their own thing? What about that part? Like, and do, do you have people like, oh, I don't want compost at my house? Like, or... Okay, so what, yeah, what happens is uh, they, um, anybody can come to one of these websites and take compost away that's finished compost. Now, as a, like a one-time starting, starting up fee, I would charge 20 bucks and give you a bucket if you want me to. If you want me to provide your five-gallon bucket. But I, what I do is I come by each week, empty your bucket into mine on my bike, and I clean out your bucket. With oh, a you little do? Wow. bottle of vinegar water and clean it up for you and put a new paper bag in there for you that I, you know, that has uh, the co-op, the local co-op name stamped on it. Oh. And, yeah, and uh, so it's nice and clean for you. You can keep that in your kitchen or on your back porch and put all your, you have everybody compost into that over the week. And then I just pick that up once a week. You put it out on your porch and I come by and pick it up. Nice. I think, I always think that's another thing that when you make things convenient for people and easy for people, they're much more likely to um, participate and do things. Okay, so are is it growing? Like, how long have you? Did you just start this? Like, it's this year? Yeah, it's the last year, exactly a year ago, and uh, yeah, it's grown totally, grown and especially the bee thing. Now, what what's been going on? Because you know. As you can imagine, I'm incredibly busy between bees and the composting. But they, they kind of go each in different wave cycles. Mm-hmm. So uh, so right now it's bee season. And, oh, my goodness, I'm uh, I'm in, installing uh, apiaries. I've got a couple apiaries that I'm taking care of in town. And so I'm building beehives for that and going and catching bees. And <laughs> it's really busy right now. And there's, you know... There's only one of me, plus lots of volunteers that I really depend on and, and cherish. And so um, right now, you know, I just keep going along with the um, composting. And, you know, when bees kind of let up a little bit, uh, in June, I plan to go to Weezer, Idaho, and collect compost at the National Bluegrass Convention. At the what? The national... Sorry, what was it? The National... The, the National Bluegrass Convention. Oh, awesome. And... Yeah, so there's a place out there called Stickerville, right outside the convention where people camp out, and I'm going to be uh, collecting compost for them for the, probably about 10 days out there this June. So, Are you going to bring your bike along? 
Yes, ma'am, I am. And so then you're going to go through the convention and and collect all the compost there, and then where are they going to put it? Do they have, like, a compost pile that they have or a farm that you're going to take it to? Or Right now it's, we're going to put up some hub sites. Uh, it's a, I don't know how many acres it is out there, but they're going to put up some hub sites for me and some collection bins for people. And every day, it's probably a couple times a day, I'll take those uh, collection bins and just take them on my bike over to the hub sites and, um, comp- and then work the compost. And and kind of show people what it looks like to do this, to do like a, um, you know, waste-free living at a convention. Wow. That's just And I get to hear awesome. music. And you get to hear the music. Bonus. <laughs> yeah, I... uh, well, you are just a natural innovator and an educator and a passionate environmentalist. I, I just love everything and you're so inspiring. I mean, I just think people, their minds are going to be spinning and saying, wow, I could do this or I could try that or, you know, we could get this going in our community and, and just I'm I'm so glad to hear that you're, you know, doing all these great things for the environment and and just sharing your passion and your knowledge. It, it's really I think this is going to be one of the best, most inspiring interviews we have. Um Aww. I'm wondering if I should maybe save it for Earth Day. It might be a good day to launch it. So, but, um, okay. Well, so what else do you want to share? Do you have anything else you want to share with us? Or, I mean, you've uh, just shared a ton of information. People are probably going, wow, I didn't know you could do this. Catching wild bees. Like, I'm kind of curious about that. Like, how do you find these swarms of bees? Do you just have an eye for that? You know, I have a granddaughter that, like, has an eye for bird's nests. She spots bird's nests like you wouldn't believe. Like, she used to, like, have them all marked on our road. Like, we have a mile of dirt road and then a mile of pavement down to the highway. And she knew every bird's nest practically on the road every year. And she's always like, look there and look there. And then these birds are in this one. And do you have, like, a natural eye for bees? That's awesome. For 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 individual bees, yes. Um, for uh, swarms, people usually call me, and that's how I know there's a swarm going on, because I'm involved with different groups. And so, then how long does it swarm for? Do they swarm for just a day? I mean, do you have to be quick right on it, or do they swarm for, like, a week? Or uh, They can swarm for up to a few days, but I would not wait that long. If I was, if, you know, like, I got the phone call yesterday, and I looked at my volunteer and said, we'll be right over. You know, it was mm-hmm. just about, uh, I don't know, seven blocks away or something. So we loaded up a big extension ladder and ran over there. And... um I, I I I go and get them as soon as I possibly can because I don't want them to leave, right. and they can okay. leave at any moment. Okay. So. And um and then what about like different types of bees? Do you have to be particular about what kind of bees, and do you have to worry about yellow jackets or any of that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I got stung by a yellow jacket this year, and okay. I, I found out that they're not even considered bees. They're not even bees. Oh, they're not. No, they're not. So are they like a wasp um, or something? They, yeah, or and just I, I thought they're all kind of. Before I got into this, I thought they're all kind of grouped in the same. Mm-hmm. And I guess they get grouped in the, to the same category, but they're not actual bees, which is nice to know somehow. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I, I deal with honeybees, okay, and I love bumblebees. And I had a bumblebee nest under my carport last year, so I got to watch them, and they're the most lovely. And I would love. I rent right now, so I can't have a bumblebee-friendly yard. But as soon as I can, I really I'm going to have a big bumblebee yard that's just bumblebees and I love them but right now what I'm doing is 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 honeybee uh swarms and building beehives 
So how do you how do you recognize the difference between a like maybe after studying for a while you just know or yeah you know um, I I really don't deal with uh, mason bees are solitary they um, they like to live a little burrowed out and they also come out at different times of the year to pollinate like they're they're I think they're earlier than honeybees and they come out like twice twice um, a season and I I just don't know much a lot about them and I that's next on my list. Um, and the honeybees, I know them by the way they look and by the way they swarm. You know, they're, they're really, um, that's just what I'm dealing with. So I know okay. I recognize them more and I don't know, um, that's, you know, like a mason bee, they're not, I don't think they swarm like that and, and neither do, uh, bumblebees. Bumblebees are, you know, you'll find them a lot in ground or in piles of carpets nesting, right? And they have a different looking nest. Um, honeybees will, you know, find a, a larger crevice to, to, to live in and, uh, they collect, they collect honey. And whereas, uh, mason bees don't. But mason bees are excellent pollinators. I mean, even, maybe even more so than, than honeybees. However, to get, uh, you know, I just read an article yesterday that, that the title was, uh, putting a mason bees in your, you know, it doesn't necessarily save the honeybees. So wild swarm, I'd like everyone to know about what, what a wild swarm looks like. So we're not, number one, not afraid of them when we see a swarm and that we call an appropriate person to come and get them, whether that's your local beekeeping association or you can, you know, find numbers on Facebook if you punch in your local, uh, you know, bees on Facebook or something, you know, you'll find groups. And someone will want that swarm for their hives, no doubt. Okay. You could probably sell it to them. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, how about internet resources? Do you have any internet resources besides Facebook that, if people are more interested in this, like a honey? Is there a National Honeybee Association? I don't even know. I guess. Yeah, uh, Gaia bees. Uh, that's. Uh, that G I A I B okay. um, is is a real an important one for me, and um, there is, and it's, it's it's escaping me now. I didn't write anything down. That's okay. And how about do you have like a book or anything that you really like? Hmm. Oh yes, toward saving the honeybee by Gunther Hawk. Okay. Cool. Toward saving the honeybee, it's fabulous. Um, I, the last one I read. I've read the, you know, the Honeybee Democracy and Keeping Bees with a Smile is a nice one, too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So thank you. This has just been uh, beautiful to, to talk about what I'm passionate about and to have someone and a lot of people that want to listen to it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really popular episode, and so and the podcast is doing so well. We're going to break ten thousand hits this week, or ten thousand downloads this weekend. And like, I thought it would be well over a year or two before we got anywhere near that. We're going to break almost ten thousand just for the month of March, because I mean, I just started in February. We only had we only had like fifteen hundred downloads. It's just crazy how much it's grown. And every time I get on and look at the stats, I'm just flabbergasted and go to iTunes and look at the reviews I'm just like oh so I'm I'm just so happy to share everybody's knowledge and and uh you know inspiration but 
this has been a great episode. And so I'm so glad I found you and you said yes. And we did the interview and I, um, I'm going to follow you and see how this goes. And I'm glad to see that it's going to grow. So how about um, if people want to get a hold of you? I guess we kind of talked about some of your information. Did you tell me what your website was that we can link up? Or Oh, yeah. Notes? You know, I, I'm not sure if my um, internet guy has done, made some changes to my site, but, but it is urban, urbanevergreenbeesanctuary.com. And also Facebook is a great, you know, that's kind of my main okay. focus. I don't get on my website that often right now, but uh, mm-hmm. let's see. Um, and, you know, I don't have a separate business number yet. Okay. Uh, so that, and, but you, you have know, a, that's, a Twitter's where I found you, right? Fantastic. Did you find me or did you hear me on another podcast? I thought I found you on Twitter. Okay, yeah, that's where I found the lady found me. Yeah, that's where your, your initial message went. And uh, I got an email from someone I thought it was Mike. An email, it's an email we got well, the question. The business is called Mike's Green Garden, but I do the podcast. I, well, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worry. Right. No worries. It's it's very confusing. I might have to, like, I don't know, figure out some either easier way to separate it. But Oh, oh well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Hey, that was awesome. So, Good, I'm so well, and that's our main website, awesomemontana.com, just to confuse it even more. Okay. <laughs> so, cool. well, thanks. Okay. Well, thanks for being my guest today, Heather. And um, I'm so glad to talk to you. And I'll let you know when this does air. Like I said, I might save it for Earth Day because it's such a great um, episode and that's coming right up, my favorite holiday. So, uh, good luck. And um, let me know if I can ever do anything to help you out. And have a great weekend. Thanks I guess so it's just too. the beginning of the week. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Take it easy. Have All fun. Right. Thanks, Heather. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Organic Gardener podcast. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website at awesomemontana.com. That's just A-W-E-S-O-M-E-M-O-N-T-A-N-A.com. Like Awesome Montana, all spelled out. And click on Mike's Green Garden in the Organic Gardener podcast, and it will link right to the show notes and all the things we've talked about on today's show. Thanks again for listening, and grow local.